Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it's time once again for another episode of Here We Go, The Steelers Show. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. My other host here is KT Smith, and we here together as a duo, we host the show. Here we go, The Steelers Show, and it's Fans First Sports Network, it's Steel Curtain Network, and it's a Victory Tuesday. Yeah, we're not letting this go, because hey, look, we don't have to preview a game next week because it's a bye week. Bottom line is the Steelers shock the NFL world. And I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's uh, out of the realm of uh, truth to go ahead and say that this was not probable. Steelers beat the Ravens 17, 10 in a typical score that looked nothing like a typical 17 to 10 score, but it looked like a typical Steelers Ravens game. KT Smith. How are you, my friend? No, I, I couldn't be doing any better, Brian. I just I had a I just completed the uh, the weekend sweep, really, because my team won on Friday night and then my son's team won on Saturday. And my son had two touchdowns and two interceptions, if I can brag on him a little bit. And then oh, uh, and then the Steelers. Yeah. So so that's the sweep right there, man. When we get all three of those. Yeah. You had a big win on Friday night. I, I follow the OCRR Ocean City Red Raiders. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was a nice win, and uh, and we got uh, I got to finish the weekend off by watching the Steelers, and that was just a Steelers Ravens game, man. Just I, I was thinking earlier, uh, and you and I actually talked a bit about it before the show about just the the number of Steelers Ravens games that are like epically memorable football games, I, and and I, now that I said that they're memorable, there's like ones that you won't even be able to remember because there's so many of them, but you just have all these ones that stick out in your head. Like the, obviously the most obvious one is the AFC championship game back in 2008, but you get regular season games. Like the one last year where Pickett throws the winning touchdown to Najee Harris in the final minute, or you go back a few years to the Antonio Brown game where he stretches the ball over the goal line in the final minute. So many of these games come down to the final minute. And, and this was one where I honestly, as I watched the first half, I just thought to myself, why is this not a blowout? Why is Baltimore not, you know, dominating on the scoreboard? They're dominating in every other facet, but the, the longer it stayed that way, the more you got the sense that we were headed for another final minute game and, and it produced one and it produced another great result. So 
excellent weekend football wise. There is a big debate right now, Kevin Smith, and it's did the Steelers win that game or did the Ravens hand that game to the Pittsburgh Steelers? I mean, there's so many different ways to look at, at this game. You know, the Steelers, wow, the offense was not doing doing their job at all. They did they had that big surprise play at the end to uh help ice the game. But then you kind of uh you kind of think that without the defense and the special teams, that once again you're not winning that ball game. They might have bailed the offense out as well. So what happened? Who won this game? Who lost this game? Who had this game handed to them? Or who handed this game to another team? Well, from the Steelers' perspective, they did get major contributions from all three phases. The defense struggled in the first half, and they made some good adjustments as the game progressed. Uh, that that allowed them to get a little bit more aggressive. I mean, Baltimore did a really nice job early in the game with their RPO game and their read option game and play action, et cetera, of slowing down Pittsburgh's defense. But then the Steelers just unleashed the hounds, to quote Mr. Burns from The Simpsons, right? They just, uh, <laughs> you know, they they got after it. They started to to blitz a lot more and be much more aggressive. And and that sort of stemmed the tide. And, of, of course, the Ravens contributed themselves. I mean, I think that they had eight or nine drops. Many of them were crucial drops that would have produced points. I mean, how many times did the Ravens have touchdowns just kind of teed up for them and they weren't able to – take advantage. So they certainly contributed, but the big special teams play, obviously, right. The killer killer brew with a blocked punt and uh, just again, keep letting the Steelers hang around, hang around. And then in the fourth quarter, man, I mean, maybe it was only one drive, but, but when the offense needed to get it done, they got it done. And, and there's an awful lot we can say about the offense that is critical. There's no doubt about that from the, you know, the inability of the line to get a push and, Kenny Pickett still struggling with his pocket presence to the offensive coordinator and whatever the heck's going on with him. But at the end of the day, man, when they needed to, when they needed, needed to produce to seal the victory, they did so. So I think it's all the above, right? The Steelers won the football game. The Ravens assisted by not playing their best game and Pittsburgh was better in all three phases. How much did the Steelers force them into not playing their best game? Well, in some instances, they did. Like I was just saying, when when Pittsburgh was able to get more aggressive with their scheme, they just they just decided to blitz uh, more so in the in the second half, and they did some things with with those blitzes that forced the Ravens to single block the edges. The Ravens were doing a really nice job early in the game, either double teaming T.J. Watt and or getting him chipped or getting the back to chip Alex Highsmith. And, and they were getting the ball out of Lamar Jackson's hand quickly. But when the Steelers started to get more aggressive with the blitz, then those running backs who were chipping on the edges now had to be accountable for picking up safeties and linebackers coming through the A and B gaps. And that left Watt and Highsmith one-on-one on the outside. And we saw the result, right? Three big sacks between the two of them and, you know, the, the, the turnover and, uh, it was the blitz. If you if you look at, you know, when Baltimore had that chance where they're down on the Steelers four yard line after the Gunnar Olszewski fumble and uh, and they've got 
I think it was second and goal. Pittsburgh just brings the house and it forces Lamar Jackson to throw the ball early. And, and he doesn't really give his receiver a chance to get established in the route. And Joey Porter Jr. gets his head around and, and makes the pick. So Pittsburgh made adjustments that were effective in taking Baltimore out of their game plan. And then on the other side of the ball, when, when the Ravens forced the Steelers into, into some scenarios where they figured they'd make Pittsburgh uncomfortable, like the touchdown pass to Pickens that wins the game, Baltimore's in, their, in, a, in a house blitz of their own. They're in cover zero. And it, it sure looks like Kenny Pickett, Kenny Pickett audibles into that, uh, that go route to George Pickens. And if you're Baltimore, you're, you're willing to go with that cover zero look because you just don't think the Steelers can beat you down the field. And they do. And so I think the Steelers did enough. Of course, all those drop passes help. I mean, if the Ravens catch any of those balls and, and score touchdowns on any of those opportunities, it's probably a different game. But with the way the game transpired, Pittsburgh did enough to make Baltimore uncomfortable or take advantage of what Baltimore was doing. There's a very famous book in history called the Scarlet Letter. And that Scarlet Letter was the letter A, correct? That is correct. Now, there's also a, maybe the black and gold letter is A, but it's scarlet because it makes Matt Canada's face red and it's audible. So let's talk about, you just said it looks like he audible. The big talk in Steeler Nation right now, everybody wants to talk about it, was the lack of celebration from Matt Canada on that touchdown pass from Kenny Pickett, Pickett to Pickens, to George Pickens. I watched that probably about four or five times. Now, at the very end, he gave a little bit of a jolt of satisfaction, but it was very low-key. I had a search to look for it. But it's almost like he had an assistant coach like hit him to say, hey, Matt, we scored. So was that displeasure or is he dead inside? Because <laughs> I, thoroughly, I looked at Jeff Hartman. So I actually watched the game with Jeff Hartman of Steel Curtain Network and Fans First Sports Network. And Jeff was like, yeah, he doesn't look happy about it. He must have not called the play. And I agree with him. I don't think he did. But I also said to Jeff, I said, Jeff, I think he's dead inside. I think he's so numb right now. And one thing that we do forget in this whole thing with Fire Canada and everybody wanting this man's head on a platter, it's hard to forget that this is a human being. So how, I mean, people have been in situations when they got booted from a team or if they got or if they got, uh, you know, fired from a job, they don't wish for success. You know, they, they don't wish for success for the other people, even though they uh, shared plenty of good times with former coworkers or, or what have you. So is that displeasure with Matt for Matt Canada? Because if it comes out that he didn't call that play, that they're gunning for him even more. Is he just so numb to the fact that the criticism and is he hurting that much that I'm speculating here, but yeah. is there so much hurt that it's like, yeah, okay. They scored, but it wasn't my play. So who cares? Yeah. I mean, there's a, there, it's easy to read into that. I watched that same video and uh, a lot of people listening probably did as well. And 
you see exactly what you just described, a guy who didn't look exactly pleased that the Steelers just scored a go-ahead touchdown late in the game. And, I mean, it, you could, it could be things that you just said, right? It, it very much could be the fact that he didn't call the play, somebody else did, and the success is now going to go somewhere else. The credit's going to go somewhere else. Or maybe he maybe he did call the play and pick it audible out of it. And and it's gonna, you know, and they score, and now everybody in the locker room is gonna say, Well, you know, see, I mean, he should let us all audible because look what happens when we audible. And he recognizes that that this that his decisions were unpopular and uh that Kenny defied him and and it worked out, and so maybe he's pissed. Yeah, you know, but I but who knows, right? It's it's so hard to tell what's going on in somebody else's head. I mean, I'll say this when, when we're playing games and we make a big play uh, I don't celebrate in the moment. I mean, there's just too much else going on. My, we, we score and we take a lead. Uh, my focus immediately shifts to what we have to do next. Uh, I, I immediately think, all right, I got to get the extra point team on the field. Uh, you know, we got to make sure that we get, you know, get our 11 guys out there and, then we got to get our kickoff team on the field. And then we got to stop them. And then when we get the ball back, what are we going to do? All right, what do, we, you know, what do I like now? Do we change our philosophy now that we just took the lead? That we go, do we go into a four-minute offense? Or am, I, am I going to put my big people on the field? I mean, there's an awful lot of information to process. Now, he doesn't have to make all those decisions because he's not a head coach. But he certainly has to think about his, his strategy moving forward. And so it's possible. I'm just going to give him the benefit of the doubt right now. It's possible that that look was not disappointment, but it was contemplation that he's that he's now suddenly thinking, okay, what's next? And you, you'd like to see a little more emotion, right? Even even if even if he's now going into uh, his what's next mode, you'd like to see a fist pump. I don't know something, right? Um, but while I while I suspect you may be right with this, Brian, I mean I, I'm not willing to speculate on what was in his head because that's just hard to do with people. Yeah. Absolutely. I do know this and I would never debunk what you what you're saying, but even the head coach, Mike Tomlin, is a lot more animated, but maybe he can afford to be. I just uh I would hate to be on the Canada Island right now. And I'm one of the ones that have him there and wanting him to be shipped to that island for good. But it's a uh, man, it's gonna be a lonely feeling right now. I mean, that win might feel hollow to Matt Canada because at the end of the day you're turning around and despite the win you're you're still the Matt Canada firing chants are not going to go away the t-shirts are not going to go away the uh my gosh a friend of mine on the way to Las Vegas saw a man wearing a Pittsburgh Steelers authentic jersey that he had custom made that said fire Canada on it guy spent a lot of money for that it's not a t-shirt not a cheap t-shirt that's a nice jersey um so yeah it's I I do have some empathy for Matt Canada and I'm sure you do too as well but I'm wondering how hollow that win is and that's something we're really not going going to know no and if, if you're just trying to look at it from his perspective, it was another poor performance from the offense for a, a lot of that game. And there were some curious decisions that they made. And, and you, you know, you're always going to be able to look back at a game and second guess certain play calls. 
and this game is no different than that. You, you wonder about certain things like, I mean, I don't know. I just, I took some notes as I was, as I was looking at uh, watching the game play out. And I just felt like there were times where he, he really could have helped, help pick it out. I mean, Pickett has struggled a little bit from the pocket and on the second drive of the second half, the Steelers are in second and four in Baltimore territory. And they got an opportunity now maybe to get in the field goal range and, you know, he calls a pass play. That's a seven step drop. And a seven step drop is a long developing pass route that takes a, you know, a lot of time for the receivers to get into their breaks and the line's got to protect it well. And it wound up being a sack and, and, and that pretty much ended that drive. And you just think, you think to yourself, like, that's a bad play call in that moment because it's a risk reward thing, man. Why, why are we trying to take a seven step drop where all the routes are breaking 12, 15 yards down the field when you need four yards for a first down? So it's easy to go back and look at that stuff. But uh, but with the way the offense put things together in the end, the thing that I really think is interesting is we heard Pickett talk a little bit last year about those fourth quarter drives that he'd engineered. And it seemed as though in those instances, he was given more freedom because of the of the nature of the of the situation, the hurry up to uh, to I don't want to say freelance, but but he, he was given more decision making. And that may be the case here as well. And 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 if you're Canada, you got to either recognize that and be okay with it, or you're going to cling to what you've been doing. And if you cling to what you've been doing and you keep resisting, you're going to get fired. So again, yeah, a lot to process from his perspective as we move into the bye week. There definitely are. And there are so many more questions despite the win. And we are going to talk about that, but we got to take a little bit of a break. We've got to try to pay some bills with some very valuable advertisers. We will be back right after this. It is the Steel Curtain Network. It's here we go. The Steelers show. And it's a victory Tuesday, my friends. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, we are back and we are feeling better than ever right now. It's KT Smith and Brian Anthony Davis. We are the host of Here We Go, the Steelers show, and definitely elated. The Steelers are three and two. The Steelers are two and oh in the conference, and they are leading the AFC North right now as we speak. Of course, the season does not end today. But if it does, the Pittsburgh Steelers are, I believe, the third seed in the American Football Conference, uh, courtesy of the fact that how they're playing right now. And the Buffalo Bills would be a wild card team as well. So there's things to be excited about. The Steelers are going to the bye week. And Kevin, is this the perfect time for a bye for this team? I know it's early. But how bad do they need that this buy right now? Uh, yeah, I'm a little conflicted on that because you come off a big win like this and you kind of want to keep it going, especially with the way they won the game, right? You get the you get Kenny Pickett, who's really been struggling and under the microscope, and 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 he gets an, another big comeback win. 
uh, especially the way that it happened. He gets a comeback win on a deep ball that he throws that sure, sure as heck seems like, like it was an audible, you know, again, zero coverage from the, from the Ravens and you hear him at the line, you kind of hear the CBS Mike catch him saying, Randy, Randy, whatever that is, but that sure sounds like an audible. And uh, it, it sounds like what he's doing. Randy sound to me, that sounds like slide protection that he's, he's audibling to slide protection from the offensive line so that they'll all slide to the right. And you see on that play, Jalen Warren cross his face and pick up the, the left edge. So it sure feels like to me, like he audibled and changed the protection and he throws that dime. And, and now you think, Hey man, he, maybe, you know, maybe he's going to take off now. Uh, and so from that perspective, you'd almost like to see him play again next week, but this is still a very flawed team and they have a lot to figure out and they're a banged up team and they need some guys to get healthy. And so from that perspective, they have an, a nice opportunity right now to really do some self-scouting, to go into the bye week, try to figure out some of the things on offense that have been problematic for them, try to get their offensive line straight. For me right now, everybody talks about the offensive coordinator and about the quarterback and, and those being the problems, but, the Steelers' offensive line is just not really getting a push up front in the run game, and in particular, it's it's the center guard, center or, or the center and two guards because they've just not been able to really control the a gaps. Baltimore had a couple sacks coming through the a gaps uh, on Sunday, so the Steelers have, have a good time to try to to figure some of those things out. And in that sense, I think the buy is is in a good spot. All right, so a lot of questions have arisen from this game, some that are lingering. So I'm going to throw some out. It might we, this could be a uh this could be a rapid fire segment here. So, the very first question I'm going to ask, how bad did the Pittsburgh Steelers miss Deontay Johnson and would they have a better record if Deontay Johnson was on this team? Uh a lot and no. They miss him a lot because he's uh, he's he's the one guy that they have who can get open in small spaces because of his quickness, and they don't have they don't have other guys on the roster who really can do that. But I don't think it would have made a difference in the Houston game because I think the Steelers just you know that was that was a poor performance by them all the way around. So they probably would have lost to Houston. They probably would have beat Baltimore. So I don't think the record changes. Speaking of that Houston game, was that Houston game? a good loss where it helps turn a team that could possibly turn a season around, or is that just uh wishful thinking and hooey? I think what helped the Steelers was having the Ravens the following week it, coming off a, a terrible loss like that. You get your biggest rival the very, very next week. And whenever your biggest rival comes in, that's a circle of the wagons game. So rather than wallow in the misery of that loss to the Ravens, the Steelers or I'm sorry, to the Texans, the Steelers really had the opportunity now to pull together for Ravens week. I think that helped them more so than any lessons they learned from the Houston game. If you're an alien that didn't really watch football and you were watching the Pittsburgh Steelers, especially today, how shocked would you be if you were told, and this is the truth, that Alex Highsmith only has two sacks on the season? <laughs> If I was an alien, I was watching the Steelers. I would say, what are those curious yellow things that they all wave around? <laughs> what power those things have? How do I get one? You know? <laughs> um, well, you know, Alex Highsmith obviously is, uh, is his, his, his presence is being felt in other ways, not necessarily on the stat sheet, 
but he's certainly made splash plays when he's when uh, he's had some of those sacks and his pressures have been huge and just his development overall has forced teams to account for him a little bit more so than they had in the past. And so they can't quite double and triple TJ Watt as much as they would like to. So I think that, uh, that while it's surprising, he's only got two sacks. It's not for a lack of production. How important on a scale from one to 10 is Larry Ogunjobi? Oh, I love that guy. I, you know, you know what I wrote down in my notes, I told you earlier, I was, I was taking notes. Uh, when he punched out that fumble, I, in my notes, I just wrote turning point. Cause I just thought here we are. That was late second quarter. Baltimore just had gone up and down the field and the Steelers hadn't done a darn thing. I think the total yards at halftime was like 244 to fit to, to 88, something like that. Um, and, and, but yet the Ravens weren't, weren't scoring, you know, like they had 10 points, but they should have had 20 some points. And that just felt like, like to me, you know, you, you don't, you don't dominate uh, an NFL game unless, unless it's just like a terrible one team's playing terribly and the other's just so much better. You don't get, you don't get 60 minutes of dominance. You might get, you might get 15, 18, 20 minutes of dominance, but if you don't maximize your production in that period, then the scales kind of start to level off and, and things turn against you. And I thought, man, Baltimore has absolutely dominated the game up to this point. And when Lario punched it out, I said to myself, there go Baltimore just squandered another opportunity. How many more are they going to get? I don't know if they're going to get many more opportunities like this. I think that was the turning point. Uh, and the Steelers really played a lot better after that. So that guy, you know, I love that guy. He's been a rock in Cam Hayward's absence and, and he makes big plays. He's a great value too. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, he's got a, a reasonably, uh, you know, decent contract for a guy uh, who who does what he does, and he's probably still got a couple of good years left in the tank. Only 28. A lot of people forget that as well. Who would have thunk that on November 14th, 2019, that we'd be singing the praises of Larry Ogunjobi? Because that was a day when Larry O, well, he wasn't on the uh, – Minds as much as Miles Garrett that day, but Larry O was the bad guy, was another bad guy. He was like the henchman in that game to that of Miles Garrett. And that's the in- infamous uh, helmet hitting with Mason Rudolph incident. But uh, wow, it really changes. Larry O is beloved in the Steel City, Kevin. Yeah. And I mean, the moment you put on the black and gold, it just, it's, it's suddenly like you're in the fraternity. So, <laughs> you know, right. you don't like past judgment gets thrown out. Let's talk about Joey Porter Jr. Is it about time to make that change now after the bye? I think so. I think so. He just looks uh, comfortable. And the play he made for on the interception was a was a veteran play, right? He he uh, he he was in good position. He got his hands on the receiver. And the thing I like the most about it, he's running with his back to the quarterback. And the ball has to come out early, like I said earlier, because of the pressure the Steelers put on. And the receiver's head and hands go up. And when the receiver's head and hands go up, Joey Porter Jr. does what every corner's coach to do is he gets his head around. And and that's the key to, to making the interception. It's, it was a, just a, it was a fundamentally sound play. Sometimes you see those corners who don't do that, right? That the receiver's head and hands go and the corner never gets his head around. They get nailed for the P.I., and that probably would have happened in that situation, but Porter was smart enough to react properly 
and it allowed him to make the interception. So he just looks the part right now. And I, I just think, I just feel as though uh, it's time. What's more important when it comes to Joey Porter Jr. Is it the fact that he has the label of not being a great tackler or the fact that he's very good in coverage? It's much more important that he's very good in coverage. Those guys don't get paid to tackle. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, in the NFL, they purposely leave, they purposely leave corners unblocked because they just say, "All right, well, the running back will just handle the corner." It's it's almost like a give. It's a bonus if corners tackle, but it's almost like a given that they won't. So you know, he's getting paid to to defend the pass, and so far he's been pretty darn good at it. What do you say to those people that said that Joey Porter has poor hands? I think he has uh, more interceptions in five games in the NFL than he did his entire senior year of college. Yeah, I mean, I always thought the biggest reason he didn't have a lot of interceptions in college was because like teams didn't throw at him. Uh, you had you had other other places you could go with the ball, and he was pretty darn good. And, uh, and you know, you don't throw at the, uh, the other team's best corner if you don't absolutely have to. So. He certainly has made the most of the opportunities he's gotten as a pro. What's your assessment of Patrick Peterson's game through five games with the Pittsburgh Steelers? He, I think Patrick Peterson is exactly who every, who we thought we were getting. Uh, I don't. He's not a superstar anymore. He's going to get beat at times, especially by younger, quicker receivers. But he still makes great veteran plays. He made a huge one uh, late in the game. When Baltimore had had gone behind, and I think after the after the the Pickens uh, play, or it might actually I take that back. It was it was on the on the, their last series when the Steelers were ahead 17-10. After they had inexplicably, I, we didn't touch on this yet, Brian. I'm sorry, this is not an answer to your question, but after no, the Steelers had inexplicably bungled that uh, opportunity after the Highsmith strip sack when T.J. Watt got the ball and they took a knee twice and then got a false start and kicked a field goal. They ran about eight seconds off the clock when it certainly looked like they could run it all the way down to about 10 seconds left in the game. But anyway, when Baltimore gets the ball back, right, they, they throw up the seam. Uh, I think it was Bateman or I can't remember which, which receiver it was, but, um, but Peterson, man, you know, he gets his, the ball's right on the money, hits the receiver in the chest and Peterson just punches it out before Cole Holcomb comes in and (laughs) levels the receiver. So that was just that, that little veteran savvy play that doesn't show up as a splash play, uh, but it keeps the Ravens pinned back deep in their, in their territory and essentially ends the game. My next question was about a guy that you just mentioned and his two buddies as well. Who is the best inside linebacker on the Pittsburgh Steelers? Is it Holcomb, as you just mentioned? Is it Quan Alexander, who had a fabulous game? And another guy who had a tremendous game today in a Landon Roberts? Yeah, um, that's a good question. Who's the best? Holcomb does the most for the Steelers. So he's probably the answer because of the all-around aspects of his game. Alexander's been so good in pass coverage and as a blitzer made a great play on a screen uh, got credited with a sack where he made a nice little open field tackle of Lamar Jackson behind the line of scrimmage and Roberts is a thumper who I think people reminds people of Vince Williams and everybody loves Steeler linebackers with that characteristic so the three of them together make for a really uh, compelling unit it's not the greatest Steeler linebacker unit of all time but it is a significant upgrade from last year's group 
Is it better than expected? I think it's probably what we were hoping for. You know, I think we hoped that Holcomb could be a three-down backer, and he's turned out to be. I think Steeler fans hoped that Roberts could be a hammer against the run, and he's turned out to be. And I think that they hoped that Alexander would be the veteran who can sort of bridge the gap between the two of them and, and can play with some athleticism in space. And that's what he's turned out to be. So I think that that group is uh, as advertised, which in, in that sense is uh, a win for the Steelers. A lot of people are talking about the offensive line still not being up to snuff. James Daniels is missing from this lineup. Is he would have they played better? Is he more of the glue on that team than anybody expects on that line? I uh, I mean I thought I thought uh, Nate Herbig struggled today. He got uh, he got exposed a little bit with, with his, his his lack of lateral quickness. I think that the Ravens were doing a, a decent job penetrating some gaps. They caught him on a stunt on one of the on one of the sacks uh, where he didn't really slide, and they, and they were able to like. Uh, kind of knock him down a gap and open up a, a little window for the linebacker blitzing through. And um, so, I mean, I think Daniels certainly would have helped in the lineup. I think Mason Cole struggling, especially against more powerful uh, defensive tackles. He gets knocked back a lot. You just don't, you don't see a whole lot of push in the a gaps and it's hard to run uh, the Steelers like the, the inside zone game. It's hard to run inside zone without being able to, to get into the a gaps. I will say this, man. I, I paid a good amount of attention to Broderick Jones today. I thought he, I thought he handled himself well, especially in the run game. He's a, he's so athletic. When the Steelers were able to run some outside zone plays or some duo plays to his side, and he had to either reach block a guy or get up onto the linebacker. I thought he did a really good job. Now, you know, he's going to be a work in progress in the pass rush. He didn't give up any sacks today. He, he kind of got beat inside on a couple of pressures. But he didn't look like the weak link of the offensive line by any stretch, which I think is really encouraging for his first start. I thought Broderick Jones uh, actually deserved to be on the uh, winner's list for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I thought that was a very good first start. And finally, this question. I've come up with a nickname for Jalen Warren. And Jeff Hartman, who usually criticizes my nicknames, was on board and likes this one. <laughs> Do you think that number 30, the pinball wizard, could stick? <laughs> yeah, I love it, man. That's great. Uh, a, it's it's appropriate because, right, that's exactly what his running style kind of is. You know, bouncing off of things and, you know, constantly coming downhill, right? What's a pinball do? It, it, it works its way downhill, you know, and he's constantly moving downhill and, uh, but yeah, he's bouncing around, ping ponging off of things, and and all you know, it's obviously a fabulous song by the Who. So I think you got a, I think you got a, a good one there. There you go. Well, hey, Kevin, this was a fantastic show, and I before we get to dude of the week, I need to ask you what your final thoughts are, and what did we not touch upon in this game as a key to the Steelers winning seventeen to ten. Well, I mean, the, the 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 one thing we didn't really talk about was the block punt and the and the impact that Miles Killebrew continues to make as a as a special teams player and a special teams captain. Uh, I think that he's a guy whose impact is is uh, quietly important for the Steelers, and and this is you know not the first time that he's had a significant impact with a a block punt. 
And that was all effort, man. If you watch that thing, it was just a guy who knew exactly how to do what he did. He got skinny uh, on, on to get an initial penetration, and he made a great move to get by the up back, and he laid out absolutely perfectly and just able, was able to get that one hand extended to block the punt, and he just does a fabulous job on those special teams units. And if, you know, if Gunnar Olszewski could learn to hold on to the ball, the Steelers' special teams would be pretty darn solid. Every Everybody who's been after Danny Smith for a while, but the, the, his units are, are quietly turning in some some pretty impressive play. I think they've been pretty good on special teams. Well, a bonus question here, and I had this on my list, but I had cut it. But now that you bring it up, speaking of cutting, are you, if you're Omar Khan, if you're Mike Tomlin, are you keeping Gunnar O after the bye? Yeah, that's a great question. He's um, probably necessary while Deontay Johnson is out because he still does some things on the field for the Steelers as a receiver, some dirty work type things. So he'll, he'll go down and block a linebacker. Or they motion him across. He'll kick out an edge player, block a strong safety who, who's coming into the box, et cetera. And it's kind of dirty work type stuff. But his value is is – most felt, or at least I think that perceived to be most felt as a special teams player. But if he keeps putting the ball on the ground or making bonehead plays like he did two weeks ago where he caught the kickoff right on the boundary and just stepped out of bounds with it and pinned the Steelers back with it, it keeps doing those things. At, at some point, you simply say, we got to find another guy. And it wouldn't sh- – I, 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 I won't be shocked if they cut him during the – I don't think they will, but I won't be shocked if they move on from him. I think those are – Pretty good odds that uh, they do forego the experiment now that Desmond King is on the team as well. I know Desmond King is not a receiver and cannot do the dirty work, but it seems like Deontay Johnson could be on his way back pretty soon. Yeah, if that's the case, maybe you know, if you if you if you're convinced that Miles Boykin can do some of those things that Olszewski's been doing, then then his uh, his presence on the roster is probably redundant. All right, Kevin, it's time for Dude of the Week. We did not discuss this beforehand. There's probably a lot to dip into. What do you think? Who is your Dude of the Week? I thought a lot about this. You have all these all these role player guys, and all these guys who made the who made these quiet impacts or had a big play. We could probably nominate T.J. Watt every week. We talked about Ogunjobi. Killer Bruce play was huge. Pickett obviously threw the dime there at the end. But let's face it, man, the only offense the Steelers had for the most of that game was George Pickens winning one-on-one routes up the sideline. Just just them saying, you know what, we don't got anything else going on. Let's just freaking throw it up to George and let George make a play. And he sure as heck did to the tune of 130 yards receiving and that big touchdown where he beat press man, got the separation he needed, uh, and and scored you know the go-ahead touchdown. So – for me, it's George Pickens simply because he gives the Steelers a, an element that nobody else on the team can give them. And without that, ele- without that element right now, they're probably a one-win football team. Uh, and and you know, rather than talking about them as a team that's in first place in the division, we're talking about them in last place. So my dude is George. George Pickens was my dude, too. I yeah. did not think you were right. going to go. We did not talk George. about that. That's right. We did not huh? talk about that. Yeah, we did not talk. That's that's great. I thought you were going to go in a different direction. I he was the best player on that offense today. 
I think George Pickens gets better if Deontay Johnson comes back. I, I really do. To see what George Pickens has done in Deontay Johnson's absence is ac- absolutely remarkable. He is a top 10 receiver right now in this league statistically. I looked at the stats before we went on. He has about 395 yards, I believe. He is almost to 400, and that's just five games. He is on his way. I mean, like, at five games, he is halfway to his total for his rookie season, which was right around 800. So he has really elevated his game. He really elevates the Steelers. George Pickens, number 14, if he can go ahead and – stay motivated because it didn't look like he was motivated early on in the game. But if he continues to be the focus, he is going to be one of the best receivers in the national football league. Yeah, man, I I agree with all that. And if the Steelers can continue to develop Kenny Pickett so that Pickens can run a more nuanced route tree, then he'll be even more dangerous. I was, I was really happy to see him, they completed that that one dig route to him and into the middle of the field. He made a nice catch in, some, in traffic and pick it through the ball into a tight window. If they can get that stuff going where, where they can now really try to exploit linebackers and throw the ball into the soft void between the backers and the safeties, uh, then they're going to be really, really uh, that much better on offense. You know what? I want to, this is uh, off the cuff and I just thought of it. Is George Pickens a better Tony toe tap? Than Antonio Brown? Mm, I mean, that's a good question, actually. He's so good with getting really those feet on the sideline in bounds. And he's got that awesome ability to catch the ball. And then he like immediately gets it away from his body. His hands must be so incredibly strong. He catches it and then he gets it away from his body so that the D-back can't, you know, can't break his hands, can't knock it away from him. Um, and and then you know pulls it back in as he's about to hit the ground. I've never seen anybody really do it like that. So uh, yeah, I, I, he and Antonio Brown are very different receivers, and Antonio Brown was brilliant at it too. But yeah, George Pickens is impressive. Well, I tell you what, I think that is. I mean, if you could even come close to comparing to Antonio Brown as being that toe tap guy, then you are a phenomenal football player because we talk about how nuts we think Antonio Brown is. And it's also almost, it's very sad to see what he's going through and his antics, but you cannot deny those amazing things that he did on the football field. And being Tony toe tap was one of them. If George could be something even close to that, then you have got an absolute superstar. For sure. For sure. So Steelers head to the bye in first place, Brian. Did you, did you think you were going to hear that after uh, the San Francisco game? Even after the Texans game, I, I did not expect this whatsoever. I tell you what, I love it. They are now back into the equation and they have some time to heal. But Kevin, here's the thing. They've got the week off. We at Steel Curtain Network and Fans First Sports Network absolutely do not have the week off and we want it that way this is what we do this is why we're here we are going to be here every step of the way through the bye because there are going to there's going to be news there are going to be things happening and it's going to be very important to if you love the Steelers which we know you do if you're listening right now and you've stuck through this team after San Francisco after Houston if you're sticking with this team then that means that you're invested And, well, we're the ones to come to if you're that invested. 
So for Kevin Smith, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. This is Steel Curtain Network. This is Here We Go, the Steelers show. The Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Baltimore Ravens. And as a resident of the state of Maryland, that's very sweet to me as well. It was 17 to 10, not your typical 17 to 10 game. They got there in a very weird way, but it's still a victory. I love it. For Kevin, I'm Brian. Keep your feet on the ground. Keep reaching for those hypocycloids.